from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper. You are live from the Path. You're listening to live from the path. We're coming to you from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnson Proper. Yep. I'm where? Hold on. Trying out the old Pioneer SE 205 tonight. <laughs> it's a Pioneer. It's got to be good. I got. Well, see, that's what I saw. So I saw these. I saw them at the at the thrift store. Uh, in the so, have you guys been to the Google outlet? Or not the Google? Why do I keep saying the Google outlet? The Goodwill. The Goodwill outlet. Yeah, yep. where they put a, all the stuff in the bins and, you, and they sell it to you by weight. Yeah, Dan, have you been I there? I never have. It's on the south side. And so, uh, yeah, they just bring these big bins out and they all got, I mean, just piles of junk That's and clothes and stuff. brother by his purse. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Exactly right. I never right. about it. I just never. Yeah. So I, I was on the south side uh, picking up a kid and I thought, hey, man, I'm out here. A reasonable excuse to go digging through stuff. It's well, like, it's like up, opportunity day. Are you saying picking up one of your own kids? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we abandoned them on the south side and thought we'd better best pick them up. And so, um, but anyway, I go, I go and I dig through the, the barrels and stuff, and I come across these headphones, and they, they're like big 1970s-looking cans. If, you, if you're only on the audio, you can't see them, but like, they're, they're, they're pretty robust, and they were pioneers, and I thought, well, these are, these are funky. And so I looked them up real quick on the eBay to yeah, see yeah. whether they were legit, and uh, some fellas had some pretty positive things to say. And uh, so I thought, well, heck, I'm going to pick them up. I think I, if, you, if I barrel out the weight, it had to have cost me like a buck eighty-five or something. For it's, these it's like it's like uh, one of a giant one of those egg shaker, a percussion yeah. Deal. He's cut in half. That's right. Uh, on yeah. right on the head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're a little boxy, uh, but anyway, just know that uh, if you're listening tonight, you're part of history. I'm taking it in in these vintage SE two hundred fives, and it won't it doesn't matter to you one bit. Anyway. Super interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks, Ben. All right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, so anyway, you're listening live from the path. We got to go on the show tonight. So first of all, we got to check. Uh, got to check the complaint line. And see if there's any action on it. Uh, I think I'll do that, Mike. I, uh, I thought we were t- we were talking about something. Shoot, do you have anything? <laughs> I mean, I got some deer life from the past. We were talking about the weight, like feeling the weight of, um, you know, the gift that we've been given through salvation, and and whether you actually feel that or not, whether it's normal to feel it or not feel it, or uh, you know that kind of thing. We were, we were talking about that as we walked in a little bit. Is is uh. Um, and in fact, one of the kids came up with a prime example where they're like, Hey, you know, I, um, I was doing this thing and we talked about it and I thought I had it all, all straightened out, you know, and then the next day I'd, I'd find myself tooting around and completely forgotten that it was turned out to be a big deal. And, and, and I thought, man, if, if the weight of what we had talked about had settled in, then you wouldn't have forgotten. So it can't mean that much to you. And then it translates to, you know, if the, if the weight of, of, of the gift that Christ has given me by dying for, you know, the punishment of my sin and allowing me to be back close to the Father, if the weight of that would hit me correctly, maybe I'd stop acting like a fool. So why hasn't it hit me? And so we've ta- we were that's what we were talking about is whether like whether it's normal um, to feel that weight or and 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 actually what does it look like to feel the weight? Like do you weep in a corner? Wait, our grand consortium was that that I don't know that that any of us feels like we feel it, you know, in some kind of deep and heavy way. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I'd be, that's a perfect thing for the complaint line is to talk about <laughs> right, it. Like, right. I mean, do you, do you feel it? Do you feel like it, like it hits you heavy and like, uh, you know, it, it's profound from, you know, when you meditate upon the scriptures where it says, uh, you know, that 
that Christ died for you, does, do you go, oh, man, I really, well, yes, I, I really understand that. Because I, actually, I don't. I don't you know, feel like it ever hits me that way. Like reading through Scripture, is there any indication that, say, the Apostle Paul, in his writings, communicated he felt it? I, I can't think of yeah. any offhand. He felt when uh, God blinded him. Well, well <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there was well, in, the initial, like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, like, this is big. Yeah. But he didn't, like, walk around, dear Ephesians, oh, by the way, whoa. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of pauses and ellipses or whatever where he lets the, the moment sink in, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, but he just explains it fact by fact and says, here's the thing. Here's, here's what we expect. Here's what your behavior should be. Uh, here's everything that, that, that God did for you showing his love. And, and, and I, I don't know. Think of it the same way with the human interaction. Do you ever are driving down the road and you're like, boy, it just hit me right now how much my wife loves me. Yeah, shoot. I really wish I could say uh, that oh, happens to I me. I have had that. I have dance or how much I love her. Sure. And I think, where did that come from? It's yeah. all. I mean, that, that doesn't happen every week or anything, but I can, I, I can say it has happened numerous times over the years where we just like. There it happens to Dan. God bless me. So, She's all right. Okay. Oh, crap. Okay. <laughs> now I'm feeling worse about my relationship with God. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> maybe, it's a de- maybe it's not a deal. I, I don't know. Here's the thing. If it is a deal, I would like it. And I, will, I, I need to spend more time, I guess, if that's the thing. I mean, am I too cavalier with my with my time? With, with I, I don't I don't know if it's to spend more time. Like like um. Now I mean, here's the deal: you, as you get to know, like it's with any relationship, right? The closer you get, uh, the more likely you feel it. Uh, when um, th- there are there's an interaction between parties, um, or or like um, when someone insults your friend versus uh, or even even like slightly versus something that might happen to a stranger that you're barely paying attention to, you start to feel that. It becomes something that becomes part of you. And so uh, I think that is something that can change. But, like, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that, that it's, it's the right thought to say I, I want um, that I'm going to put forth efforts so that I may feel this. Yeah. Because it, like, it, it, is, it, is a, it is a true thing. And if you, and you believe the true thing, it does seem like it hits people differently. Like what I was is I just read a book by Francis Chan uh, called Letters to the Church, and uh, one of the things he says in there is he's talking about uh, something we, we we serve a God who died on died for our sins, uh, and if that doesn't knock to, knock you to your knees every time you hear it, I don't know what does. And I'm like, dang, I just you know, I don't I'm not really knocked to my knees on it. I I, I believe it, um, and and it informs basically everything that that comes after it. Um, but like, I don't right. You have a life that has been built around it Mm -hmm. and all of its outpouring. Yeah, that's right. But I don't, I just don't know that it has like, I don't know that it's ever had that particular effect where like I, I saw it or felt it or had it change my life emotionally the way that a guy like that has said it does. And so, and so, uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that it has to, like, I, I don't know that scripturally I look and I say, that has been the reaction. Like, they are reacting to true things that have gone on, and I don't want to make it sound like a cold exchange, because I don't think it's that. I think God roots out and is part of everything in your life. But, like, um, I don't know that it has to be um, emotionalized to be genuine. Like, uh, the amount of emotion does not reflect right. the fact that it's true or that it's a genuine thing. So, so we, we've, we, I think we've said almost the same thing on, on worship, right, where people will close their eyes, raise their hands, something, you know, and... And um, I mean, could you extend that to so much as as the way that you position yourself uh, when you pray? You know, like when you find people in you know prostrate and, and praying with their head to the ground and, and you know in in a reverence, 
you know, is, is that, an, is that a, a weight or an emotional type response? Or is it just something that we don't do as a culture and so we haven't given it, you know, much of anything? I, don't, I, can't, I can't, like, lay back in a slackered posture when I pray. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how many times I'll be, I'll be sitting back, you know, and all of a sudden they're going to pray. I, I, I don't, and I don't know why. It's just a, a reverent thing or whatever. And I'll, lean, I'll lean forward and, like, get my arm off, whatever I'm doing, if I've got my arm around my wife or something. And and like okay, this is like prayer time, and yeah. that's probably a cultural thing, I would think. But yeah. but uh, but this this because I'll, I'll even have that moment of God doesn't really care. Right. I, I can have my arm over here if I want, and I'm like, ah, can't do it. <laughs> I did that like last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I removed my arm and I moved forward, and I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> this I, is. Yeah, I, I often pray on the way of uh, Mac every week. I pray on the way to the show. I'm like praying, God, will you use the show to. Either our benefit or someone else's, and I take my and I take my hat off when I'm driving. It's just a uh, thing, you know. And then I put it back on when I'm done, and like I wait to turn, you know, either to turn the radio down, and I wait to turn, put my hat back on, turn the radio up, and keep it driving. Uh, and if I start to pray, like continue something or a thought that I had with God earlier, my hat comes kind of right back off, which is weird because I actually don't do that all the time. Most Sunday mornings, I teach with a hat on, uh-huh. and so like it's it's a weird it's weird what you pick and choose, what you choose. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> what 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 is it? From our background that made us think, hey, we should do this. And, yeah. But it'd be yeah. almost a violation if we don't. Right, right, <laughs> right. Know? So, yeah. And maybe just because, like, it's, it's, it was your, even if it's not a biblical standard, it's your standard, and you're, you don't want to, you wouldn't want to intentionally violate it, intentionally yeah. say, you know what, I don't care about this, because, yeah. like, whatever the line was, you cared about it and said, this means something, yeah. and I'm going to be faithful to it. I don't, I don't care if somebody else breaks that standard, because yeah, right. it's like, I can't give you a verse. Right. But I just can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I suppose it, it all kind of bundles up in the same conversation, I guess. Is it like, um, one, is, it, uh, is there something wrong with my faith if I don't feel it that way? And I would say that, I mean, it's just like from the three fellows in this room right now, um, we're not walking around and feeling emotionally the weight that uh, some people would talk about, like, hey, you, Christ died on the cross for your sins. We can acknowledge it. I think there are times where, like, I, I most certainly have uh, felt it emotionally that I needed it, mm-hmm. recognizing yeah. that it's true, but not, not, the, not like a guilt burden of it, of it having to occur. Um, and I don't, I don't know that it even says much about us. If it, like, if you, like I, I'm not sure it, there, there, there's not an implicit value in it that says, hey, you are, there's a, a closer relationship with God because it's there. Um, uh, the proper acknowledgement of God is he does as he pleases, um, frankly, reacting in obedience is a stronger thing than even, say, feeling an emotional weight, because obedience takes it one step further and says, in reaction to this thing that has gone on, I will do this, I will change, or I will subjugate whatever actions or thoughts I intend to do to be able to do this thing. Um, I think it's, frankly, it's, the, there's a sense of wanting a desire for those types of things, because that feel like, it would make it, I mean, you were kind of talking about this, it feels like it would make it easier. To, to do to be faithful in some obedience or whatever because you're like man if I just carried this thing longer or more often or more consistently um, it would be there to remind me so that I don't do X Y and Z that is offensive to God or separates or you know puts a hole in our relationship or whatever yes yeah 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 definitely it's like it's it, but but you're, it's almost like an ask from a functional perspective because I want to be faithful to you as you have been faithful to me. Um, can I have this emotional reminder stick with me so that I react to it? It's like a tattoo. It's an emotional tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Something that stays with you to remind you to do X, Y, Z because of how it makes you feel. Well, and, and, and you know, the same thing could be said 
said to be true about you know even the way that we that we live most of the time like everybody is fully aware that there are people starving right and we will continue to even buy things that are stupid we will <laughs> yeah know, right and we will continue to to somehow you know like serve ourselves in this weird way and we are fully aware of this situation but the weight you feel like if if the weight were to hit you you'd just be you'd be aghast at yourself you'd be so embarrassed of the things that you've done that you could not continue dude because of the just the, the glaring fact that you've met them and they and and so but we still do right we still do not all of us have been to africa all of us have been to a poverty stricken area all of us have been to a poverty here in the united states and you know, we, we get involved to a certain extent, and then after a while you go, well, I mean, kind of is what it is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and move on. And, and yeah. like, either that's completely shameful or completely shameful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I, I think that's, that's the reason, right, like why we need reminded of those things. This is the reason Paul reminds people of those things um, is that, like, uh, because we lose them so quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a value to that. I don't know. I don't know that the emotional attach, the emotional response to it, is of any higher consequence or value um, than than the actual like actual understanding of it and saying yes, I accept that this was the case. I believe that, and in reaction, I do blah blah blah. Yeah, it's just emotions tend to stick around longer. I think that that's yeah. kind of the point, right? Is like like you either the feeling that you had when you saw the impoverished village um, and felt at that moment like I want to do something and I'm willing to sacrifice to get there. And then as soon as that, that thing is gone, you're done looking in the mirror and you forget your own face and you get yourself back somewhere else. And that motion is no longer there to kind of push you in the right direction. And without that, um, it, it, it seems a lot harder to make the decisions that you want to make. And so, like, there is a very powerful and a good thing around those emotional things. But I just don't I got to be careful that it doesn't speak anything about your faith necessarily. Yeah. I will, like, have um, an emotional response to the idea of heaven oftentimes after leaving a funeral that I have talked a lot about heaven. Right. You know, if that makes yeah. sense. And I'll sit there and think, and, and I'll have this weird feeling once in a while almost of like, man, I'm kind of jealous of that guy we just put around. Yeah. And which is really kind of weird. Right. Uh, but then, you know, the next week is like, oh yeah, heaven, you know, we can yeah. talk about it. Yeah, but, sure. But, but like, Regular living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> well, well, today is the anniversary of Colin Engeldinger's death. Well, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and, and so his, his was a funeral. Definitely. Like for that whole week, it was just kind of like, yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, it was sad, but it was like, still, wow. Oh, yeah, I get to do that someday. But that, that, uh, that kind of leaks, you know, yeah. that, that emotion. And you, then you go back to your faith of, well, I'm going to go there someday. Yeah. Yeah. And I still know that to be true. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not feeling like it like at 11 right now, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I suppose, like, one of the risks you run, I suppose, is trying to chase that emotional feeling around those types of things, which, are, which is good, right? Like, it's not inherently wrong. It's not bad, right? It's not bad to be excited for, right. for heaven. It's not bad to have an emotional response to seeing injustice in the world and saying God makes things right and we're supposed to be a part of that. I should get in on it. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. Um, but, like, there is a um, – it's not holy to chase the emotion of it, but it is holy to pursue – the actual thing of it, right? The thing that says, uh, I'm, I know I will, the faith that says, I know I will be in heaven one day. The, the faith that says, like, we actually do need to persist in this, whether it feels like it or not, um, we should persist in the, in, in the pursuit of, of injustice. Because actually you can end up, you can end up worshiping, 
right? Like, it can be exactly what God said don't do, and is creating a, a spin-off idol of him, like a representation of him. That's not him. It's the calf, yeah. Yes, it's exactly what it ended up being. And, and like, man, I, pro- I got countless number of dudes behind me that I've They chased a, a spin-off version of Jesus and not— they still let, let, let God be God, but they found an aspect of his character or one of his promises that they really wanted, and they worshiped that. And then yeah. when it didn't come through, they bailed the whole thing. Yeah, I've talked to many people over the years who, if the emotion wasn't there, they felt like their faith was gone. Yeah. And, and yeah, they missed that whole part. Well, because the truth is you didn't actually do it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I, 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 it's countless, countless people that I've talked to where they said, look, I, you know, I just don't feel God in my life, or I feel like God has let me down. He's not doing these things. I'm like, did, did you actually try? Did you, did you try to follow him? Oh, yeah, I went to church. and blah. I'm like, no. I mean, did you, did, you, did you hang out with him? Like, I mean, you pray. And, I mean, just spend time with him. Spend time in your Bible by yourself. You know, did you do any of these things and, and pray on your, oh, yeah, I, I prayed, you know, every once in a while on my problems, and, and they persisted. Listen. You're not, you're not following me, what I'm saying here, you know? And, and, and the truth of the matter is most people that I know that have bailed on Jesus or stopped following him never actually followed him in the first place. They, they, they ran into the buffet. They tried to grab as many rolls as they could, claim victory, and haul out. And, 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 and Jesus hadn't even stood up to speak yet, you know? And, and, and it's what, a, what a huge bummer. <laughs> what a huge yeah. bummer. You put all this work and, 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 and facade into it, and you totally missed the main speech of the man who, who you were there for, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Actually, you know what, that, that conversation, that you, uh, the thing we were just talking about, about people latching on to certain things and making an idol, made me, uh, I've seen a lot of conversations around um, the social, social justice gospel. It's like, uh, and p- people tend to mean it very derogatively. Um, they like, these guys are pursuing um, social justice. And really, the accusation, I think, is that, that you've made it an idol. Because, like, at its core, uh, being part of righting wrongs and facing injustice in the world very much seems like something that creates. Like we're, we're, that's kind of our deal. God ultimately does that, and He points us to be part of that. And so, like, there there cannot be any disagreement about that. I don't think. Um, but I think that what, what what the risk is is that uh, above worshiping and following God, we worship um, that aspect of His character that says we're going to right wrongs, and like we ignore other things that God is doing, or we we act like that is God's only only platform or portion of His character. Um, and like, so I think that's a pretty good example where I've, th- I've seen a lot of guys, generally I've, I've, um, they overstep in their critique, like they distance people of God from that work simply because they think there are people that are putting too much emphasis on it. I don't think you can overemphasize it. I think you just, you have to be careful not to idolize it. And, it's, and, and I think it's, it's kind of that same thing. It's like, it's not a, it's not a wrong thing, but it's not a, but it's, it's not God himself either. And so, like, being real careful that you don't otherwise make an idol out of something that is that, is that type, of, type of thing or an emotional response or, or frankly, even, the, even the, the good feelings that come off with, with fighting injustice. Like, you, you, there's a personal benefit to that because you know you're doing right things. It's just you can't worship them. Yeah, yeah. I met a gal last night who uh, is uh, trying to find a, a church where, where she can learn Jesus, right? You know, just, yep. she just wants to recently became a believer, and she's struggling finding a place. She's like, Jesus stuff. Okay. And she's like, well, what, what, okay, what's, what's the kinky stuff about your church? I'm like, oh, I don't think I know what you mean. Like, every church has their weird thing. You yeah. Know, social justice or, or, or whatever, yep. you, know, you know, and then she mentioned a couple of churches she's gone to and that their weird thing. I'm like, I, 
probably a blind spot for them. So it's probably a blind spot for us too. Is it? I said, I, I, I honestly don't know, but but I mean, I'm sure there's something you know yeah. that, that we idolize somehow that, yep. that that we don't even realize that you have to really evaluate what you're doing and and where your heart's at on things. I think to see if you have any idols. Very. Hey man, it'd be interesting what she's got like three months from now. And he's like, well, what is our blind spot? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. What's I the know. kink here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Holy yeah. cow. Maybe she's the, maybe she's the prophet that everybody kicks out because he just brings nothing but bad news. Yeah, by the way, <laughs> you worshiping youth ministry. Oh, no. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> well, she seemed pretty cool. I mean, she wasn't like negative on anybody. She yeah, was right? just, just like, oh, I'm just trying to, I want to. I learned how to live like Jesus. I asked the, the preacher in one church, and he said, "What do, and I, what, what do I do?" And he goes, "Well, you just keep coming. You'll, you'll, you'll catch on." She's like, "No, I want more than that." Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, you know, she, yeah. Actually, I was, I was. That's another thing I was thinking about today. It's like, and it, it, it goes into the tune of the last couple three weeks. I think we've been talking about this, but just the amount of grace that we give ourselves, and like, the the New Testament does lay out a, a lifelong of refinement, you know, of of of, of nailing this thing, but like. I think we like to drag it out as if it's done in like bits and pieces. Where really, like, when someone decides to follow Christ, there's a good ninety-five percent of your life should just be changed now, because yeah. that's what you said you were going to do. You're going to follow Jesus, and following behind, six inches behind Jesus, looking at his heels, makes your life look way different. And the other five percent go through some refinement, you know, till it's getting better. But like, we start at like three percent and go. Yeah, it's making some good progress. <laughs> and six years later, he's like, he's up to 12%, really starting to... really changed. You know, and like, it's just, I mean, you look at people that, that, that got to know Jesus, especially in the New Testament, and, 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 and the following the disciples and whatever. These people are turning around and starting churches like that. I mean, within weeks, months, days, whatever. We're not talking like 20 years of life refinement. Before yeah. they're preaching the gospel, they're like, good news, heard it, took it in, other people need to know. Here we go, and out they go. And, like, we have this weird, like, just slow-rolling discipleship plan for people that, like, I, I don't know whether we, we're not asking enough out of them or, like, I, I, not telling the whole truth of where, do you, I realize what you're signing up for. You're saying uh -huh. you're going to follow Jesus. Like, there should be certain things that just start dropping off, you know, immediately, and you're going to have struggles and you're still going to have sin, but, like, we're just handing out our own grace here. For our slow, dumb, dumb-wittedness, you know, on some of the things that we're that we're supposed to be doing, and so I don't know whether a good, you know, smack by the ear works, or I don't know, I don't know what it takes. Smack <laughs> by the ear. I, I, I don't know. How do you get people Sounds moving? Impressive. I don't yeah. know. We were talking about that in, in the context of this conversation, though, was how easily things fall away, or the the temptation, or the temptations around um, going back to to behavior. Uh, I mean, some of that is that. Yeah. Right. Like how quickly, like the emotional, uh, you go, hey, I want to, I want to help the the orphans. I, I mean, I'm totally in. And then you're three weeks out, and you're back in your house, and now you're like, well, I, I do, I do want to help the They're orphans. Probably doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> but I've gone, but like, and 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 it's holding. It's that. Um, what does James call? It? It's it's the self deceit. It's the, the ability to deceive oneself because you're like, I really do want to help the orphans. Yes, I will take this six dollar coffee. Yeah. Like those things do not go together. <laughs> I am being deceived by myself. Yeah, <laughs> it's a trap. Yeah, it's a tra it's a trap, right? And so, like, I, that's the thing is, like, it's so easy to 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 want to do the right thing, and like sometimes it's expressed. Most often, it's expressed in the other way. And we're talking about this, like, with addictions and stuff. And like, the the, the longer the longer I live, the more sympathy, or at least the more I, I understand um, what folks that have some of these addictions are, are up against, because like. When I say, hey, I'm going to do this thing in the affirmative, they're saying, hey, I'm not going to do this thing in the negative. And then 
three days later, they're back doing the thing. And I'm like, what the heck is the matter with you? When I, again, I handed over the six bucks for the coffee when I said, look, I'm going to give everything I got. I'm going to every spare change. It's going, it's going to the orphans. And, and, and like, I, I, I very much wanted to give to the orphans. I just wasn't even thinking about it when I bought the coffee. They very much didn't want to relapse into this thing. And like, and theirs is probably a greater pull than mine is. Yeah. And so, like, it's just a little, there's a little bit more grace for, like, how strong it is um, for us actually to be duplicitous, to, ha- to be inconsistent with ourselves, have every right intention, and then still do every wrong thing um, without any intent, like, uh, direct will for it. Hey, I really want to drink this whiskey. Maybe even not. They just found themselves drinking the whiskey. You're like, how could you just find yourself? You had to drive <laughs> to the bar. You had to get up to the bar. You had to order the whiskey. But then how many times do I, do I find myself on the drive-thru, yep. <laughs> right? Yep. I'm not going to do yep. this thing. And then I'm like, you know what? I already was I'm in the line. Number one, <laughs> Coke. Yeah, <laughs> right. just tomorrow. And it's not like <laughs> tomorrow there's, be healthy. there's a guy in the booth next to you going, hey, man, aren't you a recovering fast food man? You're like, dang it, I've been found out. <laughs> you know, like we just don't have those guys because they're not big bell ringers, you know? But like the other dudes, it's social stigma and you're the worst of the worst. And I, listen, I ain't giving any excuses to these things. Right? No, right. You need to get out of there. You're destroying yourself and you're destroying people around. You. Like you hear what I'm saying, but like maybe in the way that we view them, um, we're not we're not coming down just like God does. He's not coming down any less harsh on the sin, right? But he's saying, "I love you from what from where you're at, and I understand what you're doing. Let's get you out of it. Let's let's move it out of there." And so, like sometimes we lose our. I know I've done it. I lose my grace after a while, and I'm like, my patience has run out. Uh, it's time for the Lord's patience to step in because I'm out. I'm tapped. I got nothing. You know, and only to realize that like I've been just as guilty about everything that just came out of my mouth on something else that wasn't socially uh, as unacceptable. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, you're listening to Life in the Path. Uh, that was our introductory uh, remarks. <laughs> hey, there were no, Let's get into the meat now. T- two, two bits of good news. One, there are no entries on the complaint line. None at all? Either wow. people are very happy with the show mm. or they don't have time to complain. We need, we need to ramp things up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think your dress is unholy. Women should wear pants. Yeah. All the time. Wait, uh, I'm on the opposite side. Dan. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, who <laughs> do you agree it. with? Ben or Dan? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, call the complaint line. 515-517-0085. We can do calls and text. Uh, go ahead and hit up that complaint line, and uh, we would like to hear from you. Second of all, there's a fresh comment on the YouTube. Really? On our brass knuckles discussion. No kidding. I, need to, I feel like I need to go back and listen to this, because now I don't understand what this guy, what his reaction was. But So we did a, we did a discussion talking about the legality of brass knuckles. Can and, you play it? How long of a clip is it? Uh, it's pretty extensive. Hold on, maybe I'll give it give it just a little bit of a clip. Hold on, let me uh, let me let me give it some volume. If this establishes some context, boobies to the extent that you might need a brazier. Hey, so we were we were talking about this on the way in. Is it it's illegal to have brass knuckles? But is it illegal to have like steel knuckles? There are all knuckles illegal. Can you own <laughs> extra knuckles? <laughs> That's the question. And is it also illegal to put brass knuckles on, say, a chain around your neck so people know, yeah, that's what's up? Because you can't wear them and swing them at people, but can you just put them on a chain and be like, yeah, I own some. Don't make me put them on Is it actually illegal to to even own them? I don't know. I don't think it's illegal to own them. I think it's just the use of that that you get into the whole illegal thing. So it's really fine if you have them. Hold on a second. I I just want to share this because I was about to Google it. And here's the I got through, is it illegal? (laughs) <laughs> and oh, here, no. here are the options. <laughs> here are the Google suggestions. Is it illegal to collect rainwater in Iowa? Is it illegal to kill bats in Iowa? Is it illegal to drive barefoot in Iowa? 
Is it illegal to dumpster dive in Iowa? No. Is it illegal to sleep in your car? Definitely not. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm very excited about the non-violent form of uh, of most of those in Iowa. It's not really like, hey man, is it illegal to murder somebody in Iowa? Yeah, but it's just, uh, hey I man, mean, can I go jump in a dumpster real quick? The guys, the guys that are talking about how to commit crimes, they're not googling it first. They're yeah, like, that's true. I'm doing this thing. Is it okay to rob from banks in Iowa? <laughs> Wait, yeah, yeah. These are these are totally um, these are totally like middle aged crimes. Is it illegal to have a pet fox? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a twenty to forty year old person that's going, hey man. I got a list of stuff that I really want to do today. I got to check to make sure these are legal in this state. Wait, wait. These are great. Is it, here's, is it illegal to have, starting with the letter B, is it illegal to have body armor? Is it illegal to have blue lights on your car? Is it illegal to have both earbuds in while driving? Is it illegal to have blue interior lights? Is it illegal to have bolt cutters in your car? <laughs> well, what do you think a locksmith does? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. We'll get a special permit. We're going to get to the brass knuckles of this thing. Is it illegal to have brass knuckles in Iowa? <laughs> we'll start with Iowa. Uh, Man, a lot of people have been asking this. I got it. This guy says, I got a... Oh, wait. Here's this question. I got a B.A. pair of gold knuckles for Christmas. <laughs> a B.A. pair. But my... I mean, he said the full thing. But my stepdad told me that they're illegal to have since they are deemed a concealed weapon. So does this mean I can't even own them? Uh, he says, I'm not going to go around breaking jaws with things. I just think they look B.A. Please include some source of confirmation. I tried to Google the answer, but to no prevail. <laughs> Not this is right. Ali G walking around with sweet yellow shades and gold chains and brass knuckles. Boy, this is a weird guy. I hope someone can help me before I land my bum in the slammer. Like, he said B-A full, full words, but bum when I land my bum in the slammer. I mean, what guy goes around pending Google advice as, well, until I hear the right answer, I'm wearing these knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Cop pulls you over. Hey, man, I didn't get my Google answer answered yet. <laughs> so Yahoo I, hasn't come back, and Ask, ask Jeeves isn't even reliable anymore. So <laughs> I erred on the side of, I don't care. Yeah, I, I erred on, on the, the side knuckles. of, hey, man, these are BA. <laughs> what if I wear them on my feet? Then can I have them about? Br brass toe knuckles? <laughs> Here we go. Technically, here's the best answer. Technically, it is legal for you to own them as long as they are carried in the confines of your own home or on private property that you possess. Iowa does not do a very good job of clarifying this, as they do not expressly mention brass knuckles or anything like them in the wording of their laws. Uh, what, what does this wait, guy wait, say? Stuff you own, like your pants? Or my hand? <laughs> uh, okay, so here, here's... His hand is my hand. Here's the law. Uh, chapter 724.4, subsection oh 1 gosh. says, Except as otherwise provided in this section, a person who goes armed with a dangerous weapon concealed on or about the person, or who, within the limits of any city... Isn't everything within the limits of a city? Goes armed with a pistol or revolver county. or any loaded firearm of any kind, whether concealed or not, or who knowingly carries or transports in a vehicle a pistol or revolver, commits an aggravated misdemeanor. Yeah, okay, so the way that reads, like, they're pretty much concerned about concealed pistol and revolvers, but, like, as long as I don't conceal that I got brass knuckles, I can have them. So you can have a brass knuckle necklace. Yeah, wait, wait so I can wear a t-shirt that says, I got the brass knuckles on. <laughs> And have two arrows pointing out towards my loaded <laughs> firearm. We'll call them a fist. And then I'm cool. I'm legal. Yeah, I would say that unless they, unless the state offers a permit to wear blast knuckles, uh, like it would offer you the ability to carry a firearm, then it's not. It shouldn't fall under the statutes because it doesn't give you any way to carry one with a permit. I totally want to go to a county building and just be like, "Hey, uh, I'd like to apply for a permit to hold brass knuckles." <laughs> Like, excuse me? It's like, I think these look real B.A. <laughs> and I like to be in the on the right side of the law here now. I've like, I like to look like I don't care about the right side of the law, but I really do. Here's just a suggestion for people thinking about this now. Uh, 
If you don't know how to use brass knuckles, I wouldn't wear them because that's just you're just begging for people to come and tip you over like a cow and take your brass knuckles. You know what I'm saying? Like you better know how to run them. Wait a minute, hey man, you just throw a punch. Wait a minute, there's an actual court here. A defendant challenges yes. the factual basis supporting his guilty plea for carrying weapons. His sentence was vacated. Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute, did he have the brass knuckles? Here we go. Jason Eaton kept brass knuckles in his glove box for personal protection. What? Yes. For that conduct, the state charged Eaton with carrying weapons in violation of Iowa Code 724-1, uh, which is what we just read. Eaton entered a written guilty plea admitting he concealed the bra brass knuckles. About All right. If you want to know what happens with uh, Mr. Eaton, you're going to have to go check out that clip. You can go to lifeinthepath.org and uh, check out our discussion on brass knuckles. And uh, I, think it goes, I think it goes on for like another 10 minutes. When something else gets introduced, is like this weird buffalo knife or something they find in Montana that's been outlawed. Huh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, so we got a comment uh, this week on that, on that discussion, and he said, uh, he said, brass knuckles are not particularly effective. Oh, oh wow. Well, that was up for debate, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't realize that that was what we were talking about. And then he says, they are, however, one, automatic three years in prison in New Jersey and New York City. Relevant. And two, a felony to carry in many states. Three, considered aggravated assault in most states. I mean, we talked about the statute. Yeah. I feel like we, we found the right source of the law. I feel like he didn't listen to the clip. No. Yeah. Now, when I got my carry permit for a loaded weapon, that, that say, they said that includes like stuff like all kinds of knives and stuff. I'm, I'm assuming that would include... Oh, you can get a permit. And so if you have the... Uh, uh, it's a concealed carry weapon, which yeah. not just gun. Right. So right, it could right. be brass multiple, knuckles. anything. So maybe, I mean, maybe that changed since. Uh, couldn't yeah. anything be a weapon? You know, like can I carry around like a, like a chainsaw chain, and what people with it? So. I mean, what counts as a weapon? What if I'm pretty dastardly with a lotion <laughs> bottle? Like I can throw it like a boomerang and put the cuts to you. <laughs> I yeah. mean, what qualifies? Or a jump rope? Yeah, you don't know what I can be medieval with. Uh, people are always getting strangled with weird stuff in movies. Yeah. True. Shoelaces and such. Yeah. Huh. They oh. used a guitar string. Blah, blah, blah. They don't need to see pulling those guys over. Anyway, he says, uh, and uh, activate lethal self-defense indemnification in all states. I don't know what this guy's doing on the internet. Well, this, this sounds appropriate for the internet, I guess. Here's the best part. Let's say one of the bearded basement super friends here. I think that's referring to us. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's, yeah. It's nice I wasn't there that day. Bearded basement super friends. That's the best. Uh, okay, so let's say one of the bearded basement super friends here starts getting sloppy drunk and pulls out some brass knuckles on someone. I'm going to F you up. <laughs> he, used the, he used the full one. Uh, that person not has every right to pull out a three fifty seven Magnum and put a bullet right in your head in self-defense. Wow. If, he's making an extended point. I'm just not uh, following. I mean, he really took just a regular tit-for-tat discussion and, and, and brought the bricks to it for some reason. He's got he, some anger. He's very upset yeah. that we've made light of brass knuckles. Who was that one guy? Remember that one guy? I can't remember what we were talking about. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a Dear Life in the Path advice or something. And it was like super lighthearted. And that guy, that guy, that atheist dude got real upset and was like, Christianity's destructive. Oh. <laughs> it went on a real terrible. And I tried to have a conversation with him and... We went like two rounds, and then he stopped responding to me. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got other places to be. Anyway, it's, it may, maybe you want to dig on Brass Knuckle Conversations. Like I said, go to lifeinthepath.org. Just do a search for Brass Knuckles. <laughs> and what was it? Ba bearded Basement Super Friends? <laughs> <laughs> we need t-shirts. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. Hey, hey, you should use the complaint line. <laughs> uh -huh. 
I'll say I'll, I'll send him a note. <laughs> that is the absolute best insult I've heard against the show yet. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, okay, hey, along those lines, uh, here's an interesting story. Uh, there was a oh shoot, where did the article go? The Bible Museum uh, yeah, yeah. says five of its Dead Sea Scrolls are fake. Wait a minute, and now hit me. What what exactly are the Dead Sea Scrolls? So they're they're, they're scrolls found in the area of Qumran that otherwise. Um, uh, that are are very important, like in the mid what forties, fifties, like the middle of the last century. Don't they believe they're like from Jeremiah. I mean, from he probably hid them and yeah, yeah. And so, like the the deal is, is that they have um um they affirm much of the much of what we know of the Old Testament, like that the translations were fairly accurate. That's and- right. That's right. Because like going back, um, you know, there's 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 two primary texts in the old um in the for the Old Testament. I, I think it's the, the it. Uh, validates the Masoretic text, but like the point is, is that we might be able to look and say, here's here's what we think the wording is of X, Y, and Z books in the Old Testament, and we can go back to say the eighth century or something. Um, if you go back to the Dead Sea Scrolls, they've got portions of 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 uh, some of the prophets and portions of Leviticus, and like the wording is the same. And so, what that validates is a common concern that says, hey, uh, people are changing stuff as they go to otherwise jack with the text to get people to believe certain things, and like, how do we know we have the real thing? Well, we, we have continued to find evidence that affirms uh, the New Testament is, is, is most well attested of, of historical documents of that age and, frankly, any age. Um, but even the Old Testament um, has high affirmation, and, go, and when the, the Dead Sea Scrolls you know, put our knowledge of and our confirmation that the text has been the same century over century back another 800 years. So, so we, we found these Dead Sea Scrolls, and they're somewhere. We keep them at the Bible Museum, or we keep them somewhere else. Well, so there's fragments of it that are up, that were uh, on the open market that people can buy and sell, and there's some that museums have and stuff like that. And so, like the folks at the Museum of the Bible obviously believe that they had purchased legitimate copies of parts of the Dead Sea Scrolls so that they could put them on display, mm-hmm. which is what other other museums are doing. Um, but the story is that the Museum of the Bible in Washington D.C. says five of its most valuable artifacts, once thought to be part of the historic Dead Sea Scrolls, are fake and will not be displayed anymore. German-based scholars tested the fragments and found that five show characteristics inconsistent with ancient origin and therefore will no longer be displayed at the museum. CNN raised questions about the museum's Dead Sea Scroll fragments in an article published last November as the Green family prepared to unveil their new $500 million museum. At 430,000 square feet and with views of the Capitol, the Bible Museum represents a significant investment for its evangelical founders. Now scholars say the Dead Sea forgeries could be part of the most significant sham in Bible archaeology since the Gospel of Jesus' Wife a fiasco that hoodwinked a Harvard scholar and made worldwide news in 2012. Some scholars estimate that as many as 70 forged fragments have hit the market since 2002. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though, is it depends. You're going to run with that story and, and do something uh, based upon whatever you previously believed. Uh, this is a setback for them because they paid big money for, for stuff that they wanted to display to find out they were fake, just like any museum and an artifact. That's a super bummer. But, like, um, it doesn't... It's not us. So, like the the well, saying, they didn't have these things independently verified before they bought them. I don't know. I mean, what kind of what sham dude <laughs> sells? I mean, super expensive fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls to a legitimate company, and they're just like, "Sounds good, bro." <laughs> you got, take a cashier's check. <laughs> this here's certificate of authenticity. Yeah, from Abram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know the process. Uh, what are, does it say? Those were a pretty penny. It says in April, I have three rest forgers. 
Scholars have theorized that forgers write on top of ancient scraps of papyrus or leather, making the scrolls appear authentic until the ink is, test- is tested. Oh, so they got to test the ink. Their report, which the Bible, Museum's, Bible Museum said they recently received, further raises suspicions about the authenticity of all five fragments. Before the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered 70 years ago, the earliest and most complete version of the Hebrew Bible was from the 9th century. Okay, I was close. Um, but then Bedouin shepherds stumbled on the scrolls, hidden away for nearly 2,000 years in caves in Qumran, with, on the western shore of the Dead Sea. The discovery was so vast, with more than 900 manuscripts and an estimated 50,000 fragments, it took six decades for scholars to excavate and publish them all. Google has them available, by the way. You can Google the Dead Sea Scrolls, and you can look at them. They've, they've like, scanned them so that they can be, I mean, you'd have to be able to read the Hebrew in them, but um, they're available online. Uh, it says the Israeli Antiquities Authority keeps a tight hold on most of the Dead Sea Scrolls, displaying them in the shrine of the book in Jerusalem. For decades, it was almost impossible for private collectors to get their hands on even scraps from the famous archaeological find. But in 2002, new fragments began mysteriously appearing on the market. The Greens bought their fragments between 2009 and 2014. At the time, they were deeply involved in the antiquities trade, amassing a collection of some 40,000 artifacts. Hmm. So it's interesting. Um, I, I would say I, their reaction is totally appropriate. They're like, hey, these aren't authentic anymore. We're going to pull them. I mean... Yeah. What do you want me to do, Mike? Put them back out on display. What do I care? Here's a replica. Yeah, that's true. Just call them something different, I guess. Right. I mean, what sounds cheaper, remove from display or print out word replica and put on glass? <laughs> <laughs> They'd probably look something like this. Yeah. Yeah. We were fooled, as a matter of fact. Get a, you know what? Take the, take the money you saved and get yourself a sculpture of a Bedouin shepherd. Stick them right next to them. This thing will look totally legit. <laughs> And maybe a sculpture of a guy manufacturing a, a fragment. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, like, if I went all this way to the to the Bible whatever museum, and then halfway through the trip I find out that I that these aren't actual copies, I'm not like I don't think that I would get all upset and go, right. ah, I can't believe it. I looked at a piece of paper and it wasn't really as old as I thought. Dang it! <laughs> right. This I've is, heard it's a fabulous museum. Yeah, I've also people. heard that. Yeah, yeah. People say it's great. I don't know. We should find someone that's gone. What a bunch of suckers! You don't want to go to the Bible Museum? They got shammed. Those papers <laughs> not as old as they thought. Uh, you know what's interesting? I, I, thought, like, I, I thought the reaction was scholars. What else is in that museum? Is, like a, like, is there a replica of Moses' beard in there? I mean, <laughs> it's Bibles. It's, it's like copies of Bibles and like histories of Bibles and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. A replica I mean, of the Gutenberg Press. Yeah. I mean, I'd go in there and check it out. <laughs> I mean, is it free? No. I, oh, wait a minute. It might be free. I don't know. Most stuff up there is, but it isn't, I believe. I think it's a donation or something. Yeah, that sounds like the people it's not of government Jesus. Sponsored, the government but. lets you walk through any building you want, but you want to see pictures of God's word, boy, it's going to cost you money. Yeah, well, it's because his family paid for it, so. I mean, you're going to let people see it for free, ain't you? What <laughs> happened to this world? Come on, Dan. You got old Bibles? They got to pay staff. They got people, you know, authenticating uh, all kinds of stuff here. And they should get uh, volunteered big Christian bouncers to be in there hanging out. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. This is a, uh, oh, that's to become a member. No, we just want to visit, Ben. Uh, I don't want to be a member. Yeah, I don't either. Hold on. I just want to buy one of their dead rolls. I can't talk. <laughs> Tickets. Here we go. Uh, oh, it's a suggested suggested admission. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, yeah, it sounds like you, you can walk in for free if you want to. Because the Museum of the Bible does not receive government funding, we are 100% dependent upon the support of our guests, members, and donors. Your generosity has a direct impact. Suggested uh, tickets are 20 bucks a dude. Wait, does that say walk-up visitors always welcome? They're open seven days a week? Hobby Lobby closes on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> this, hey, these guys own Hobby Lobby. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, They close down their retail stores on Sunday, but they, you can go to this Bible Museum on Sunday? Well, even 10 to 4. Someone could have caught the early mass. 
I guess. Catch the 9 a.m. I actually don't have a problem with it. I act like I care. I'm actually not offended by this, but. Okay. Anyway, uh, I, I'm not. So, like, the, the one thing that jumped out when they say um, it could be part of the most significant sham in biblical archaeology. Uh, I mean, like, I, let's grant that they got they got kind of hoodwinked, but, I mean, it doesn't do anything about the veracity of the scrolls themselves, right? No, They're just, no. they don't have the right replicas. But, like, it's not like the affirmation of the text that the Dead Sea Scrolls produced is in jeopardy. Right. So, you know, okay, some guy got ripped off in the antiquities market. I, I heard a story on, the, on NPR two weeks ago about a guy who was buying, like, a hundred-year-old bottle of whiskey or bourbon or something, and, uh, and it went for a million dollars. I thought, like, that's a sham. That's, yeah. that's a sham right there. Did you see that, that uh, article about that painter guy where they sold, like, a super expensive painting of a kid with a red balloon, and then as soon as somebody bought it, it went through a self-shredder? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that guy, so it's, it's Banksy. He's, he started as, like, a street artist in London, and then, like... What do you mean, Dan don't know Banksy? That's, no, that's why. That's I'm, why I'm sorry, a, Dan. Do you no, know Banksy? I have no clue. Yeah. I'm, I'm describing him. Okay. He started as, a, like, a, as like, a graffiti or a street artist in, in London and started to become, like, really famous for it. And so, like, uh, had, had traveled around the world and has done things. He's a little, like, private dude. Um, doesn't do, like, commercial uh, art or, or anything. He, he once, um, he bought, like, an old abandoned um, uh, amusement park and created, like, an art piece out of it like it was really dreary and and uh i don't know macabre or whatever uh it was anyways interesting so but anyway i think he he's kind of mocking the um the amount that like people are willing to pay for prints of his work or originals of his work and so like he designed this um he designed this uh the, the painting and then the frame that went around it and it had like a he built a shredder in it into the frame and so it went up to like sotheby's or somewhere and like Somebody paid like an outrageous amount of money, a million plus or whatever for this thing. And then as soon as they said sold, like someone was in on it and like triggered the thing. And all of a sudden the, the, the painting drops down and then starts to shred. God, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that man. was really good. That would have been really cool to be there. Oh. <laughs> you imagine the whole room is just aghast. <laughs> what do you do? They're a bunch of bunch of society types pooping their pants. They're like, I don't know what happened here. This is crazy. <laughs> there's there's um uh you can see it online. There's like clips of there's guys who just had a cell phone out at the time and like you hear this beep 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 and all of a sudden it goes, man, that would been cool. <laughs> oh, oh man, I, I mean you, you can't. There's nothing humbling and get you to laugh at yourself faster than that. Some dude just uh. forked out one point whatever million. I mean, here's the thing: if you collect the scraps. I bet you could turn around and sell it for five million because it was part of the whole the whole you yeah, know really. prank or whatever. Yeah, but. so the, the person kept it for that reason. Yeah, it's like they didn't say it's not destroyed; it's better. Yeah, now it's got a story. Yep. Yeah, now it's artsy. Although we took, I mean, to be honest, we took a man who graffitis for a living and then started calling it street art. You're a criminal. You're a common criminal, sir. <laughs> yeah, right on. All right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I was going to talk about Christian witches, but uh, it can wait. Okay, Mike, what do you got? Okay, hold on. Dear. Die from the path. My wife and I have been married for 13 years. It hasn't always been easy. She recently decided on her own that we needed a fresh start because of some financial problems we were having. So she applied for a job in a state six hours away from any of our family. <laughs> you really think this is for financial reasons? You might be a dummy. I love this already. She accepted the job before telling me anything about it. Now she says our daughter and I should pack up and go with her. Several issues complicate matters. Our daughter is 11 and just started middle school. I don't want to pull her out before school is out. Second, I have several health issues, and my doctors are within two hours of home. All my doctors coordinate with each other. 
If we move, I'll be too far away from them. I don't want to start over with new ones. I love my wife and I want to be with her, but I'm worried about the future if I move, move not only away from my doctors, but also my family. Please help. Yeah, I found a job six hours away. You should come. Yeah. You and our child should come. What do you think? I went ahead and accepted it. <laughs> what the heck? <sighs> okay, one. Man's leaving out some large portions of these stories. You know, like, I, if, if there's so much detail missing that you can't understand how this problem has not already been addressed in any way, then he's leaving out large portions of it. Yeah. So I, let, let's take some things into consideration. One, this man doesn't work. He obviously has physical ailments that are not allowing him to work. Uh, two, his wife is the breadwinner of the family, has to bring in some money. Financial difficulties could be a wide range of things, like either the man has a gambling problem or the job she has is not paying well enough or something. Right now, left to your own devices, if you said, look, family, we're going under here. I did find a job six hours away. We're going to have to move. That's where the work is. I'm the only person that works here. This is what we have to do to survive. And then makes that decision. Uh, I would find all of that, at least some backstory to say, whether she has decided to do all this without even bringing it up to him. Unless, unless, once again, if he has a gambling problem or something, he's the one f- flushing all the money down the toilet, I would have told him nothing either. Like, hey, we're moving, and here we go. <laughs> Obviously, you can't stay here. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I, don't, uh, I, you, I would agree that I, I don't think there's enough information here to give advice. Because, like, the woman sounds outrageous. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I mean, there, it just feels like there has to be more to this story. It seems, I mean, it's taken at face value, uh, in a marriage, yes, you should not decide to move six hours away without talking it over. Uh, I would, you shouldn't really even be applying for a job. You could say, hey, I heard about this job. I was thinking about applying. What are your thoughts? She probably didn't want to tell him because he's going to put up all this whiny, whiny stuff. I mean, here's the thing. Let's say he's got legit, legit medical problems, right? Most people I know that have legit medical problems. Don't move any more than half an hour away from a, from a hospital, mm-hmm. mostly for insurance reasons. Like their insurance company just will not tolerate it. Like if you want us to pay for it, you need to be within X amount of a hospital. So this man who has a medical problems, probably legit, but his doctors are within two hours of each other. Unless you live in rural Alaska, that's not feasible, right? You could live next to any capital and be within half an hour of every doctor. And so th- that seems weird to me that your health problems are significant enough, but you don't have to live close enough to a hospital. Mm, yeah, so is the point is, uh, it wouldn't it still be true that he has to get like all new doctors and all new coordination and whatever? Yeah. Which, I mean, would happen if you, if you had to move anyway, that would just be the impact of moving. It seems right. like the crux of, hey, we didn't, I didn't know this was coming. It really feels like he's leaving out that they're getting foreclosed upon. And whatever job she had no longer exists. Yeah, how far had they sunk? I mean, it's, it's, it's just going by what was written. I would say she's already left the relationship. She's hoping he's not coming with her. Oh. I mean, but the kid she wants I mean, to be free. And the kid too though. Yeah. You're going to leave the 11-year-old with the with the dude that's got the health problems? Yeah, once again, he's he's cited the kid with him as if it's her against them. I don't she'll fight that out in the courts and she'll get the kid too. I, I, I here's the thing. I could be wrong, but she's this man seems shady dust. to me. That's the way the way he tells the story is so obviously one-sided that you can smell it coming around the block. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Secular says, the decision your wife made should have been made jointly, not by her alone. Your reasons for wanting to remain where you are are valid, and I think you would be wise to discuss what's going on with an attorney before this goes any further. Mm. I mean, it really depends on more detail. <laughs> Go more to a counselor. 
<laughs> I suppose the thing is, is if you're trying to be everybody's friend, especially the person that wrote into you, you have to say things like that. But I, the truth of the matter is, friend, you told a half of a story. Something's very, very missing in the thing that you're saying. Yeah. And I, it's really hard to discern what's actually going on at your place when you tell stories. Like when your buddy calls, you know, tells some kind of story about how he got screwed at work or his wife's treating him poorly, and you're like, look, Greg, I know this can't be the whole story. Yeah. You have a tendency to blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Did you do any of those things? Well, you know, <laughs> and then Greg is caught dead to rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. We can probably do one or two more. Yeah, one more. One more. Dear Life from the Path. I have had it up to here with my crabby next-door neighbor. She grows vegetables in her garden, squash and pumpkins at this time of year. Our properties are separated by a wire fence. A few days before Halloween last year, a friend brought her two grandsons, who were four and six, for a visit. They were excited to find a pumpkin in my yard that weighed about 10 pounds and managed to get into my house because they wanted to make a jack-o'-lantern. Mm -hmm. No sooner did I reach for the phone to tell my neighbor what they had done, then she came banging up my door accusing the boys of the theft. To make peace, I handed the pumpkin to her with my apologies. This morning, I noticed two pumpkins have tendrils that have crept through the fence and are now growing on my property. More than one person has told me, they're on your property, so they belong to you. <laughs> Another has said that if my tree grows over her property, she has the right to trim the branches. Ergo, I get to keep the pumpkins. I think a fair solution is to keep one pumpkin and give her the other. But Crabby Kathy might have other ideas. Before this gets ugly again, what do you say? I thought you should go talk to Crabby Kathy. Uh yeah. Listen, when you graduate third grade, go over there and try to have a frank discussion with her. Because here's the truth, friend. They're not your pumpkins. They're not, you don't have a magic fence that whirs over into her area. Now you're like, if you want to be mad about something, like throw the pumpkins back on her lot or yeah. something. But like, just because you don't get to keep one just because it's come over to your place. That's not the way that works. It'd be like her dog got out. And came into your backyard, and you're like, my dog now. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, uh, I mean, when you saw it, you could have just said, hey, Kathy, drag the, the tendrils back to your own yard. Like, we have, um, what, are we, what are we growing? Uh, we do watermelon. And, like, it, it'll do that. Like, it starts to kind of creep somewhere. And so, like, you got to rein it in or cut it off, make sure it doesn't go to the neighbor's yard. And so, like, you could have just, it, it takes a while. Like you, like you don't come out and then all of a sudden a cucumber's out your out your plate or a, a watermelon showed up yeah. a week later. Right. So I mean, like you could have had this conversation at any time prior to it being big enough to make a jack o' lantern. <laughs> so, but like you could say, hey, it's over into my lot. I'll leave it if you if you don't want to leave it or for whatever reason you can't have it over there. If you're willing to split the pumpkins with me, if not, uh, just p pull it back over to your place. I mean, there's a reason. Uh, there's, there's like yeah. a lot of easy discussions to have here, or throw it over there. Just pick it up and put it back. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know what kind of caveat you're trying to live by, where, where you ask your buddy and he's like, oh, yeah, sounds like it's probably yours because of the tree branch thing. Your, your friends are dumb and you're dumb. It's not your pumpkin. <laughs> it's just not your pumpkin. Yeah. And you're too old to be doing this. <laughs> oh, wait, how old was she? Uh, I, it doesn't say either one. I mean, I'm assuming if you're a homeowner and you live next to Kathy and you have grandsons that are four and six, I'm guessing you at 60. Okay. Maybe 50-something or whatever. But you're, you're a grown woman or man. Just either buy your own pumpkin. Put her pumpkins on their <laughs> yeah, side. They're five bucks. Stop trying to get a free pumpkin out of the deal. Is this the only thing that motivates you in your, in your age anymore? Is the, the thought of maybe a free $6 pumpkin from the neighbor? That's true. They're cheap. 
We found some uh, uh, a group of uh, people selling pumpkins, and they were three bucks. Didn't matter what type. I mean, I bought a giant, giant pumpkin for three dollars. You know, they said that's a huge problem at that um, uh, that festival they have at uh, amusement park. They have a like Halloween Oktoberfest or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they buy like three or four thousand pumpkins, and people get all sauced up and just take them. They just walk <laughs> right out. Says like they're, they're more than half of them are gone. People just pick them up and figure, well, it's here now, it's mine, and steal them. <laughs> Like they have to buy enough for attrition because these dudes are just they pick them up. Said last year, last time they had <laughs> this guy. This is a good story. This dude come walking out drunk to the hill has like this thirty pound pumpkin on him, hauling it out to the thing. And so one of the upper management of this amusement park goes, "Hey, hang on." And he pulls up next to the guy in a golf cart and says, "Hey, man, uh, you taking that out to your car?" And the guy's like, "Yep." He says, "Well, why don't you just put it in the back?" And he goes, "Great, man, that'd be awesome." And then he put it in the back, and then the guy drove away. Because <laughs> 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 the guy was drunk and being an idiot. But you know, he's straight up stealing this gigantic pumpkin, which is probably $30, yeah. you know, to buy this big old honking pumpkin. And this dude is just going to gonna take it home because he attended the event and figured, hey, this is mine now. People are pretty low rent. Oh, All right, Secular says, your, uh, your, quote, crabby neighbor was correct. Your friend's grandsons did help themselves to her pumpkin, and it was wrong. You and your friend should both have apologized to the woman when you realized they had purloined the pumpkin, returned it, and taken the kids to the store to buy one they could cut up. You pull the trick you're planning, it won't necessarily be a treat. You may escalate an already unpleasant situation beyond pumpkin season, and I don't recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, the grandsons did this innocently. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. You've taken a, the yard. a childhood yeah, right. mistake and then decided you were going to live by it <laughs> and start stealing pumpkins from your neighbor. Like an idiot. Hey, roll the car over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, you've been listening to Live from the Path. Thanks for hanging out with us. Maybe you disagree with our advice. You have a wiser way of living. Uh, let us know. Call the complaint line. Call or text 515-517-0085.